I find it uh, interesting that I get to speak on this topic on Mother's Day um, because uh, I actually don't like the word marketplace theology. Um, I, the reason I don't like it is because it's limiting. It, it, it kind of focuses on the marketplace. And um, I think a perfect example of what a true theology of work covers is our mothers and what mothers do for us day in, day out, and what mothers do um, as far as work is concerned, right? So I think um, hopefully as we, uh, as I share a little bit about this theology of work, um, you'll get a sense that it's, it's all encompassing. It's not just about being in the marketplace, but it, it really is about what we do every day. Um, so um, in 2010, I was in my dream job, working for a foundation that focused on ending human trafficking and mass atrocities and mass violence. As part of our work of, to end mass atrocities, I went to the International Criminal Court, otherwise known as the ICC, in, um, sorry, first uh, slide please, in Denog, Netherlands, um, to witness the trial of Charles Taylor. So Charles Taylor was a former president of Liberia, and he was on trial for war crimes and crimes against humanity during the course of the Sierra Leone Civil War. Um, so funding the ICC was one of the ways my foundation, Humanity United, worked towards ending mass atrocities. It was a fruitful trip, and I think I left, uh, I left thinking that I, or at the very least my organization, was doing good in the world. When I returned from my trip, I noticed that my right leg was swollen. So I called my doctor, and uh, my doctor told me to go to the ER. Uh, he said that it's a sign of a potential blood clot and that it could lead to a stroke. So I was sitting in the ER, laying in the bed, and I began to wonder, if I died tonight, would I be satisfied with the life that I live? So although my organization worked on preventing and rescuing people from human trafficking, I began to think, if they don't know Jesus, what's the point? And although my organization worked on preventing mass atrocities and saving people's lives, if they don't know Jesus, what's the point? So it was at that moment that I decided to quit my dream job, sell my belongings, and become a full-time missionary. You see, I grew up during the 80s, and it was a time, uh, sorry, next slide, please. Um, it was a time when Christians were focused on creating our own bubbles. We had our own music, our own coffee shops, our own bookstores. We really didn't have to leave the confines of the church. It was there where we could hunker down while we waited for Jesus to return. Another phenomenon that happened during the 80s was what marketplace theologians like to call sacred secular denial. I thought this only happened during the 80s, but during my studies I found out that this phenomenon happened throughout Christian history as a reaction to what was happening in the world. So under the sacred secular divide, everything we did Monday through Friday was just to get through the week so we could do Sunday. Working to provide for your family was important, but it was a necessary evil so that we could serve the church on Sunday. And if you were lucky enough, or dare I say good enough, God would call you to be a missionary or a pastor, the ultimate calling. In their book, Where's God on Monday, 
Alistair McKenzie and Wayne Kirkland explained the thinking around the concept of essential secular divides. In a Christian world, there's a perception that we could be doing more for God if only we could free ourselves from the distractions of the world. The thinking goes something like this. I have a simple faith. I distinguish between spiritual and secular. By spiritual, I mean anything related to God, anything that's holy. This is really the most important sphere of life. By secular, I'm referring to the everyday things that have little or nothing to do with God. These are much less important and significant than the spiritual. The ideal form of employment is unquestionably full-time Christian work. That's where you have the opportunity to devote all of your time and energy to God's work, unencumbered by the demands of secular employment. It clearly raises much more spiritual occupation than a normal job. Becoming a full-time Christian worker is my personal dream. This is because it's the ultimate way of serving God. In fact, I long for the day when I no longer am distracted by, from real service for God by having to work for a secular firm. My real dream is to give all my time and energy to ministry. So what's ministry? Well, it's anything that deals with spiritual tasks. It's leading worship on Sunday. It's teaching Sunday school, leading a home group preaching, going on outreach, praying for someone, or becoming a missionary. To be in ministry is to be taken up with spiritual tasks of building God's kingdom. Of course, once you have that experience of being in ministry, it's difficult to return to secular employment with any degree of passion. Nothing is more significant than doing ministry, which is why full-time Christian workers are highly esteemed in the church, and rightly so. After all, they have sacrificed much. They're at the forefront of God's work in the world, and they're making a bigger difference for God than you can in secular employment. Ultimately, secular work doesn't really count for much. Things of the world will all pass away. Sure, I do my best at my daily job, but we do, what we do for the Lord is what really counts. And secular employment is simply a means to an end. Wow. <laughs> As you can see, I had bought into Satan's lie regarding the sacred-secular divide, hook, line, and sinker. But let's take a look at how God really views work, whether it's sacred or secular, or is there really a distinction? Next slide, please. So in his book, The Other Six Days, Dr. Paul Stevens states that according to the first three chapters of Genesis, every person has three full-time jobs, communion with God, community building with neighbor and family, and co-creating with God. For the purposes of today, let's focus on the third full-time job. Next slide, please. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So the Hebrew word for work is abad. So that's the, the verb um, word, and avodah, which is the noun, which interestingly means work, worship, and service. It's used in Deuteronomy and Numbers to describe priestly duties. Um, next slide, please. Uh, following this logic, God meant work to not only be work, but also worship and service. It was during the fall that our relationship with our three full-time jobs were broken. The vertical relationship between humankind and God the uh, re horizontal relationship between humankind. And then there was a third broken relationship that we don't speak about very often. 
It was the relationship between humankind and work, which is all-encompassing. We have relationship with God through work as worship. We have relationship with people through work as service. Next slide, please. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Hence, we found ourselves grinding and toiling at work. It had become a four-letter word. Next slide, please. But we all know that that's not where the story the good news is that when God sent Jesus to reconcile us to God, he also made us reconcilers with others and with work. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Next slide, please. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So rather, as ministers of reconciliation, we are to integrate our work and everything that we do along with our faith. Next slide, please. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Next slide, please. So what is the theology of work? When most people hear the word theology, they think of biblical scholars who study the Bible and reach conclusions about God. But it's so much more than that. Can I have the next slide, please? According to Martin Luther, living or rather dying and being damned make a theologian, not understanding, reading, or and William Perkins says, theology is a science of living blessedly forever. Let me say that one more time. Theology is a science of living blessedly forever. So why do we need a theology of work? It brings meaning to the portion of a person's life that occupies most of his or her waking hours. It's central rather than peripheral. So for example, the average American worker spends 88,000 hours working and the average Christian spends 4,000 hours in church. So shouldn't we understand what God intended as a thing we do with most of our lives? Therefore, theology of work is essential for putting work in its place, neither as one's idol, nor simply as a curse, but as a means of pursuing our calling as ministers of reconciliation. So do I regret joining YWAM and participating in full-time Christian work? No. I had an amazing opportunity to witness what God was doing around the world, particularly in East Asia. I got to experience his grace and patience as I stumbled through life. And I got to experience what a true theology of work is, not only as a missionary, but through the people I met in a variety of vocations and locations that were all doing but as a teacher in YWAM once said to me, God doesn't waste anything, so don't be surprised if you start practicing law again. And here I am 12 years later, practicing law again. But it's different this time. 
now I try to integrate my calling as a minister of reconciliation and practice of a theology of as Paul Stevens shares, it's critical for the liberation of the whole people of God for their full-time service in the world since the church is in a rhythm of gathering and dispersion. Like we send missionaries overseas, God is sending workers into the marketplace every Monday. You might have heard of the 1040 window. That's the, the latitude where they say, the most unreached people are, groups are uh, throughout the world. Why don't we think about the nine to five window? Like Pastor Dave, I'll leave you with something to think about, and perhaps I'll get a chance to share it with you about it in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we live blessedly forever? I'll give you a hint. Look at the book of Hebrews. We live as priests and we live as kings. That is, we serve and we rule. We are servant kings. Next slide, please. So this is a, a list of resources that you might want to take a look at um, that have helped me kind of on my journey as I try to understand a theology of work. Uh, the first one uh, is a daily devotional that I just find it's a great way to dig into the world word and um, read uh, what uh, insights this person has um, on what it means to be a leader, uh, what it means to be in the workplace. Uh, the second one is a website that just covers a, a variety of resources around the theology of work. Doing God's Business is a uh, video series that uh, Paul Stevens and Regent College put out uh, that covers what it means to actually do work as God's business. The Reform Course is a really good um, video series. It's not very long, but what it does is it, it actually gives you an overview from Genesis all the way through Revelation and really talking about what it means to integrate your faith and work. And um, if you really want to dive into this, there's a certificate program through the Institute of Marketplace Transformation. Uh, Paul Stevens uh, was my professor at Regent College. He's since retired. But his new calling at, I think he's about 88 years old now, is he's been traveling throughout Asia teaching uh, marketplace theology. And he, um, I think uh, some very smart students decided they needed to get him on video before he passed away. And so they've created a bunch of video series on uh, his teachings around the theology of work. So I, I really hope uh, this encourages you to understand that there is no sacred secular box divides, that everything it, that you do as a mother, as a plumber, as a um, finance person, whatever you're doing is truly worshiping God and that we get to worship God not only through singing, but in every aspect of our lives. Thank you so much.